Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When the red light goes, take two. When the red light goes off, we're just getting started. This is Off Air with Chris Thomas and Mike Conti, giving you a look behind the scenes of Atlanta's top sports station as we take you through the top stories of the week from the world of sports and entertainment. Welcome to Off Air. All right. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome on in. To the latest episode of the Off Air Podcast. Chris Thomas joined by the head honcho, Mike Conti. Mike working from the home studios today. The office looks good. You got the natural sunlight coming in. It's a nice little change of pace for us. We don't take time off even on what are considered company holidays. We're still working for you here on the Off Air Podcast. But Mike, we want to start with something that couldn't be more opposite of work, and that was the Georgia Championship Parade this weekend, which was a rousing success not only for the Bulldogs, but for us here on 92.9 The Game, because once again, Mr. Maestro pulled uh, some strings and he got the band together outside of Grindhouse with Stake and the crew, and they had a great time, and even some special guests as well. Yeah, I thought Stink and Sandra and uh, Rusty did a really great job, and and Rusty in particular, you know, his connections with the UGA community. I, I don't know if there's anyone more connected directly to the UGA football program uh, without fully being inside the program than, than Rusty Manziel. He he really is a, a treasure. He's a total gift, and uh, he's a big reason why we had Kirby Smart's wife on and, and the strength and conditioning coach on and and the special guest that you heard on Saturday that Rusty uh, was able to get those people to come on because of his friendship with them. So uh, shout out to Rusty. I mean, that's what we have to do in our business, right, is, is have those relationships and, and uh, maintain those relationships. And no one is better connected to that Georgia program in this state than Rusty. I, I, I say that with full 100% confidence. So it was a really entertaining show. I, I think Steak and Sandra and Rusty did a great job of capturing the enthusiasm. It was a very upbeat day, a very fun day. It was cold, uh, but, you know, at least the weather cooperated. They had huge crowds again, as they did last year. Uh, and I'm just glad that we were able to be a part of it. We're very, very unique at 92.9 The Game because our signal easily reaches out to Athens. Uh, very few Atlanta radio stations have the uh, the signal strength that we do 
where we can be heard city grade in Athens. And I think, in fact, we probably have a, a lot of people listening to us in the Athens area. Um, so I know there's this ongoing debate as to whether or not George is an Atlanta team or not, but right. they're in our coverage area. Uh, they're in our listening area, and we have to serve our audience in Athens and our Georgia fans the same way we have to serve our Georgia Tech fans and our Braves fans and Falcons fans and all that. So we had a really good time. I, I want to shout out uh, Gordon Robinson and Eric Davis, our engineers as well. They did a terrific job. Uh, Mike McKenzie and Chandra Kinsey, our promotions people, getting us set up at Grindhouse in Athens. Grindhouse Killer Burgers is a, a, just a terrific host for us. We love doing uh, our shows there when possible. Uh, they were right in kind of the parade lineup area, so it worked out great for us. So really, really fun day for Steakhouse and the crew on Saturday. And I'm just so indebted to everyone who worked on the project because they all did a really great job. Now, little media nugget behind the scenes. You mentioned about uh, Rusty having relationships with people at Georgia, and you had touched on this, uh, if not last episode, a few episodes ago about um, – relationships with teams that 92.9 doesn't have the play-by-play rights for. So how important was that to bring in somebody to the steakhouse like Rusty to have and build relationships with a team that, you know, it's not just, oh, this guy's coming on because he's a part of a team that we have on our radio station. Well, the reason why we brought Rusty into the radio station was not because of his relationships, but because he's a really funny, entertaining, informative host. Yeah, uh, it just so happens he has the relationships, which is icing on the cake. But, uh, you know, we looked at Rusty as someone who, um, you know, was very well tapped into that program, but also was someone who knew a lot about the Falcons and knew a lot about the Hawks and knew a lot about Southern Rock and knew a lot about bourbon and knew a lot about grilling and knew a lot about early 90s hip hop. You know, like he right. kind of had the whole package, like you yeah. know, that that we want to talk about on the radio station. So uh, that's why we hired him. It, it just so happened that he had the relationships. It is, as you said, though, Chris. I mean, it is very important, and we've gotten into it before. I mean, we have very, very strong relationships with uh, the University of Georgia. We have very strong relationships with the Braves. We have very strong relationships with the Atlanta Dream. I, in fact, I, I call some of their games. Um, we have as strong a relationship as we possibly can with Georgia Tech. Uh, I, I will admit we've had some challenges there, but we try. Uh, and in fact, Garrett Chapman now uh, is covering Georgia Tech for 24-7 sports. So I, I think that that helps to strengthen our relationship. We have very, very strong relationships with Georgia State, and it's a two-way street. Those teams need us talking about them. Yes. Uh, they need us talking about them. And they understand that. Um, we want to talk about them and tell their story accurately and correctly. So even though we aren't necessarily in a, a business relation, a transactional relationship with them, uh, we still cover them the same way that we would cover any other team in Atlanta. And they understand that and they get that. And their cooperation is really, really important to us. How did you uh, think everyone did putting a bow on another uh, championship historic run. I thought the station did a really good job of not only enjoying the moment, but providing some perspective on what we all witnessed over the past couple of years. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point. Like we can't just celebrate for four days. 
right? I mean, that that's going to get old after a while. There's only so many celebratory phone calls you can take. There's only so many wide-ranging proclamations of how great the dogs are and what a machine they are uh, before that starts to get boring and stale. At some point, as content creators, we have to turn the page a little bit. Uh, and I think our host did a really, really good job of doing that. And and look, putting into context what's happened. I mean, th- this is this is uncharted waters for uh, our local sports community. A back-to-back championship. It's never really happened before. It, the only thing that I, I guess would kind of compare to this would be the extended run that the Braves went on in the 1990s into the early 2000s. But they only won one World Series. Right. Um, so even there, it's a little bit different. Uh, we're in uncharted waters with, with a back-to-back championship situation. And I think our our hosts have done a really good job of just putting that into context and explaining how special that is. But also, the natural next question is, what needs to happen for Georgia to do it again next year uh, to have a 3 peen? I think we've we've gotten into that. And we'll continue to get into that. Um, I'm really looking forward to February 1st when we have our extended National Signing Day special on 92.9 The Game. We'll have uh, the high school guys, Coach Parker and Sam Crenshaw. We'll have the college football guys. We'll have uh, Chuckery. He'll be back, hopefully, and uh, um, uh, Chris Goforth. And, you know, that, that'll be it, – it's kind of like we do the NFL draft show in April for the Falcons and that starts to set the tone for what the next season is going to be. I, I think that national signing day special is going to start to set the tone for what 2023 is going to be like for the university of Georgia. And we'll continue to cover that story through spring practice and G day and sec media days and training camp going all the way into uh, their season opener next year. Well, every year that I've been in Atlanta so far, the dogs have won a championship. So <laughs> let's see if we can make it three for three next season. Yeah, not bad. I'd say so. All right. So from one team at the absolute apex that you could possibly be to a team that is um, having some identity issues, I think would be putting it uh, politely. And that is the Atlanta Hawks, a team of which you are very familiar doing their pre half and post every single game that you can hear on 92.9 the game. So on Friday, Sam Amick, the great writer for the athletic in USA today drops uh, an article that was very lengthy, very detailed, got quotes from a lot of important people inside and outside the organization. Bottom line being he detailed uh, Travis Schlenk's exit from the organization, how the power structure is now, and what are the troubles that present themselves both off and on the court for Trey Young and Nate McMillan and DeJounte Murray and John Collins as they all try to continue to gel and make this thing work and get out of the play-in seed tournament that they've sort of been stuck in, 9-10 seed throughout most of the season. So, Mike, we had a big show on Friday on Dukes and Bell. Sam actually joined us at the start of the show. Then we had uh, CEO Steve Coonan on, as we usually do on Friday. So the delicate balance of making sure that we get the story right and accurate first and foremost, and then how the how the uh, hosts react to it and how the guests react to it. What did you think of the entire situation? Yeah, I mean, again, I thought we did a great job. It, it was great to get Sam Anik on right at the start of your show on Friday because he had the information. He had the article, which you know, Steve Coonan told you guys later on Friday was mostly accurate. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and it matches a lot of what I've heard in the behind the scenes this year. Um, the exact word he used was fair. Yeah. In a way, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so we've got to talk about it, right? In a way it's great content. It, it's, it's very, very interesting. It's, it's, um, <laughs> there's a, it, it's pretty incredible, uh, yeah. but, but we have to talk about it. And, um, you know, we don't shy away from that just because we have some magic formula that 60% of our content every day has to be football and 20% has to be baseball. So, you know, the other 20% is whatever. And maybe the Hawks are, you know, there's no magic formula. We talked about this, I think last week, how the news cycle is always kind of undefeated in being able to give our host content. Uh, This is another example of that. I mean, that's, an article that kind of came out of left field on Friday. None of us were expecting it. Mm-hmm. None of us got any kind of leak that it was coming. But what I was really proud of was as soon as it was out, you and Bo were were booking Sam Amick uh, almost immediately. Um, you know, I would venture to guess that we probably had him on before anyone else mm-hmm. because you guys reacted so quickly to it. Um, you know, this is where Carl, being as well informed and well researched as he is really, really helps us because even though we weren't necessarily expecting the article to come out, I think Carl knew enough about the situation where he had his thoughts all ready to go for how he was going to present his viewpoint at two o'clock. I think Mike kind of reacting to it as a fan that had a very, very natural, uh, interesting reaction. Uh, to the information as it came out. So I thought we handled it really well. I was appreciative that Steve Coonan uh, kept his commitment to uh, do the interview with us, as he always does at 4.40 on Friday afternoon. Um, I'm, I'm very grateful that he was willing to do that. I'm not surprised that he did it, but I'm still grateful. Um, <laughs> we've run into situations with another team in town where when the going gets tough, uh, sometimes scheduled interviews get canceled for one reason or another. Hmm. So I, I, I was very appreciative of, of Steve Coonan and, and the Hawks to, to keep that commitment. And I thought Carl and Mike did a really good job of not ducking the subject either. They, they broached it with him and, and you got what Steve gave you. I think the question now is they've won two in a row since yep. the article came out. They play again today. I mean, we're recording this before the Hawks play the Heat. So by the time we get to work tomorrow, it could very well be a three-game winning streak. At what point is the Sam Amick story no longer a story anymore? Right. You know, and I I think that's where it becomes a little bit challenging for us because I said the news cycle is undefeated, but the news cycle also moves very quickly and stuff gets old very, very quickly. And, it's a little bit unfortunate that the timing of the article was such that our morning show, the steakhouse and the midday show never had an opportunity to react to it. That was Friday. We're not going to hear from them again until Tuesday. Yep. By then it's old news. So that that's a little bit unfortunate. And I think that's where social media becomes really, really important where, uh, you know, guys like Fricky and Steak and Andy who and Randy and, uh, you know, Drew and Rusty and, and Sandra, the people who didn't have an opportunity to react to it in real time on the air, at least have the opportunity to react to it over social media. Yeah. So question for you, not not only as a brand manager, but as 
um, you know, somebody who is very familiar with the team. Do you feel like it'll eventually get to a point where it's unfair for uh, a host or even just fans to harken back to an article like this anytime something negative happens with the team? Because that seems to be a growing um, trend, at least on social media, where people take their talking points and they – like John Chuckery says, three to six months in advance, have them have them ready to go. So anytime there's drama or anytime something doesn't go their way or they get on a losing streak, people are going to say, see, see, see. Yeah, I, 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 that's a really interesting question. Uh, and I tend to think that's a little bit lazy at t- situationally. That can be very lazy. Like it, it, to your point, six months from now, Maybe they they botch their draft, and and people point back to an article that was written in January. I think that might be a little easy, a little lazy. Uh, I think in the short term, though, it's very much still a a front-of-mind issue that, by the way, has not been addressed by the people in the article. Right. You know, until, quite frankly, until Tony Ressler and Nick Ressler or Landry Fields or anyone else mentioned in the article address it, we can't let it go. You know, uh, we've only really heard one account of it. So um, I would just say our phone lines are open and our microphone is open. If, if anyone mentioned in the article wants to address it, but until it's contextualized and explained, uh, then I, I'm not necessarily sure it is unfair to, to bring up a lot of the content that, that was in that article. Um, but a, again, over time, it it would be unfair. I and especially, I see this happen a lot. Like in the NFL, oh, this organization has been run poorly for so many years, and they change everything they do. They they change all their people. They hire a new GM. They hire you know new scouts and personnel people, new coach, everything like that. Uh, and the results don't immediately improve. And it's ah, see. This organization, they're just a constantly failing organization. Well, the organization has attempted to do something to address that. And, yeah, I don't know what the Hawks are going to do, if anything, but uh, I think the Hawks need to be given an opportunity to address it. I think once they do address it, then it would be maybe a little bit unfair to go back to something that has been changed. Mike, you know I'm a Jets fan. I don't appreciate you taking pot shots at my team like know? that. How did you know? <laughs> because it's because when you're a Jets fan, you hear those narratives, yep. and the hair on the back of your neck starts tingling. The well, spidey guess what? senses start going. Guess what? Off. Giants fans were hearing that narrative too, and now what? You know, well, can't, can't use it anymore. Yeah, well, how about our very own Greg Giannotti on WFAN this morning going on a tirade against his favorite team, the Minnesota Vikings, for <laughs> losing to the Giants. That is one. Uh, check that out on Odyssey.com. That's all over the place. He was he has a Vikings fan? He, is, he has a Vikings how, tattoo. How is that even possible? He he has a long, he has a diatribe he goes into about wanting to be different and picking the Vikings and not being a Giants fan. And wow, look, okay. And look where look where it gets you, Heartbreak that's City. Choice. That's a choice. <laughs> yeah, it's a one way t- one way ticket. I know, I know it too well. All right, from negative to positive on the basketball court, uh, we got to see something really cool the other day in Toronto, where the Hawks 
Mike, I may say I've had their best win of the season. Uh, it was best just road performance by far. It was best clean. road performance. It was clean. The stars contributed. You yep. got everything you. I thought Nate did a good job coaching and with the rotations. Uh, but really fun with uh, sideline reporter Lauren Jabara. Got to sit down for a minute with uh, Superfan Nav. And if you don't know his story, he is perhaps the biggest Toronto Raptors fan. Maybe not even perhaps on the planet. And uh, he shared his story with Lauren about uh, his journey with the team. He's been a season ticket holder here in Toronto for 28 years, and you have not missed a single home game. Never Is that right? Game. Never missed a home game. How much do you love this Toronto Raptors team? I love the Raptors. I love the basketball. I love the ballers. I love NBA. He is known all around the world, all around the country, by almost every single player in the league as well. And you were inducted into the NBA Hall of Fame in 2021. What was that like for you? It was the first one, and it's amazing because uh, I was the first one. And then in 2019, I got the championship ring, the players ring from the Raptors. I mean, how cool is that, Mike? I, I don't know if we have a Hawks fan that's to the level of super fan Nav, but that just leads me to think, like, what what teams or team are you that passionate about, if oh. any? Oh, wow. Uh, as super fan Nav, to the effect of never missing a home game in 28 years? I don't know. I mean, it, when I was a kid growing up, I was a huge, huge fan, and still am. But as a kid, just an enormous fan of the Philadelphia Flyers. And I still am. I, I love them. Um, but, wow. I mean, to never miss a home game. I, I I think even as a kid, I couldn't say that. We had season tickets. Went to a lot of home games. But but I don't think I had perfect attendance. Um, I, I You know, I, I think the one... The one, and you can probably relate to this too. And I think a, a lot of our listeners can probably relate to this. I, I, the one team that I still get really emotional over is uh, Penn State uh, yeah. because I went to school there. I mean, that, that's a huge, huge part of my life. Huge part of my life. Uh, huge part of my family's life, too. I, I'm a fourth-generation Penn State graduate. My father went there and my mother. Huh. Uh, three of my grandparents went to Penn State. I think two of my great-grandparents went to, at least one of my great-grandparents went to Penn State. So it's been a huge part of my life from birth. And there, I actually, you know, kind of feel like I was a part of it. Mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't just a, a customer paying to buy a ticket. I, I was a, a student at Penn State. Penn State changed my life. I, I'm a graduate of Penn State. I have a right over there. Uh, I'm not good with the pointing. See that right there? It's oh, my yeah. Penn State. It's my Penn State degree right there. Um, you know, so I mean, that's something that I feel like I actually was a part of, not mm -hmm. just you know a fan. So I still get very emotional when it comes to Penn State. And all you know, we talked about when I went to the Rose Bowl. I'll fly yep. great distances to support them. <laughs> <laughs> How so, were they when you were a student as a team? Well, so. I, I, they were terrible, actually. So it's funny. Uh, I think the four years in which I was a student, they have like the worst four-year run in school history. Okay. My, it's my freshman <laughs> year. Well, here's what's funny. My freshman year, I, they were actually like preseason number one. They won their first nine games. And then uh, like we – I'll never forget the radio station I was working at at the time. We were all set. We were going to go to the Sugar Bowl 
probably play Florida's team for the national championship. Uh, that was the Mike Vick year at Virginia Tech. So that, that would have been the Peter Warwick against Mike Vick. Okay. Sugar Bowl. And instead of Virginia Tech, it, it would have been Penn State. Uh, all they had to do was beat Minnesota, Michigan, and uh, Michigan State, and they were going to go to the national championship. And I wasn't just a student. I was covering them at the time, hmm. um, it, which was kind of interesting as well. And they lost to Minnesota on the last play of the game. So then we're sitting around, well, all right, there goes the Sugar Bowl. At least we're going to go to the Rose Bowl. Uh, And then the next week, they get up by 10 points to Michigan in the fourth quarter, and Michigan puts this backup quarterback in the game uh, named Tom Brady. And uh, (laughs) Michigan comes back to win. And then the next week, LeVar Arrington either got hurt or something, and uh, they lost to Michigan State. Next thing you know, they're in the Alamo Bowl. And that, that, that put them in a tailspin that they never quite recovered from. They were absolutely dreadful the next two years. They were 5-7 and seven my sophomore year. They were 5-6 and six my junior year. My senior year, they were decent. Uh, they went to the Citrus Bowl, but they still, they still had four losses. So they were not very good when I was in school there. As soon as I graduated, they got good again. Um, but, you know, like when I was a kid growing up, you know, we won a couple national championships, won a Rose Bowl, uh, you know, went to the Fiesta Bowl a couple times, won those. So, like, they were really, really good growing up. As soon as I got in school, they were terrible. And you know what the ironic thing was? The uh, the basketball team when I was in school actually made this freak run to the Sweet 16. Huh. So the basketball team actually had more success than the football team. They uh, – my junior year of college, they beat North Carolina in the NCAA tournament, went to the Sweet 16. Um, very, very – had a really, really good chance of going to the Final Four that year. So, it's like I tell people, Penn State, when I was in school, they were a basketball school. <laughs> that is – you know what that is? That's a testament to your fandom, that even though that they were yeah. not good, even though you went to a historic – program while they were in a downslide that you still remain as big of a fan as you are oh well because again i mean it's who i am i mean penn state's in my blood and the the kind of odd thing was i mentioned how i was covering the team i couldn't really be a fan when i was in school right because i was covering the team uh for wmaj radio in state college pennsylvania so i couldn't really be a fan it wasn't until i left town and I could take a step back and, and not cover the team anymore where I could become a fan again. So I actually had to put my fandom on pause for the four years, that well, four plus a semester or two years that I was in college. You know, it's funny, too. You mentioned uh, LeVar Arrington. That is the biggest man I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. And out of all the athletes that during my time at WFAN and CBS Radio in New York that would come in to do interviews and stuff, that man is built like a different. He, he almost looks like a different species. He is just built like a, like a two humans stacked on top of each other. He's a teddy bear, though. He's yeah. an absolute teddy bear. I mean that that's that's the funny thing about Lavar. He's such a nice guy. I actually remember, um, oh God, I was doing a, a either a baseball or a softball game uh, on the radio up there, and Lavar had just declare that he was going pro. So I, I think he was still going to class, but he hadn't graduated yet. Uh, and he actually sat next to me in this little broadcast cubby. I think it was the softball field. And, and uh, he did an inning of play-by-play with me, and he was really good. Wow. And he was 21 years old, and I was 18 years old. 
And now I'm surprised Martin, there was room enough for both of you in the booth. Him in a him in a little yeah, booth like that, I can yeah, imagine. Well, <laughs> I, I I I was not the size that I am now when I was eighteen. No, uh, he I was, was more. Probably, he was probably bigger then than he is right now. But yeah, Lavar is a big guy, but re- sweet guy, real teddy bear. Love yeah. Lavar. Yeah, you love you love to see that. It's so funny. You see some of these guys when you work in radio stations that come in for interviews that yeah. you know you see them on the field and then you see them in person and you have one or two reactions. You either go, "Huh, wow," yeah. or you go, "Huh." Not as big as I thought. Not as big as I thought. <laughs> Dikembe was the huh wow for me. Like, yeah. wow, he really is. Like, that's crazy. Um, yeah, even like Trey Young, who doesn't look that tall, right? Compared to everyone else, like Trey's taller than me. Like, yeah. you don't really understand it until you kind of see him face to face. I remember when I was in college, uh, the Sixers trained up at Penn State one year. They had a training camp. I bumped into Allen Iverson uh, in the middle of the the basketball arena, and I was like, "Wow, you're actually much taller than you look on TV." Right. That I think for basketball players, especially you know the 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 backcourt players that we don't perceive to be very tall, uh, that is incredibly eye opening when you get to meet them face to face. Yeah, even just even just about uh maybe two months ago when I was walking at our studios at Colony Square, I bumped into Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. I was like, you look like an average NBA player. Uh, not in real life. Nope. He, st- he stuck. He was two heads above everybody else walking in the crowd of people. It was yeah. so funny. Uh, all right. Well, this turned into a fun little uh, walk down memory lane. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the best podcast episodes are the ones that go off script a little bit. So enjoyed that. Uh, for Mike Conti, you can follow him on social media at Mike. What is it? You don't have your username up to. Oh, yeah. It? At Mike Conti 929. Mike Conti 929. And I am at C Thomas Radio. And this has been the latest episode of the Off Air Podcast.